So I'm excited. You guys excited? We're in a new year. 2020. You guys excited for 2020? I believe that God is going to do something amazing this year. I'm really, I really got a word for you, and I believe that God is going to do something out of the ordinary this year. And God brought this, uh, yesterday I was studying the scriptures, and he brought this back to my remembrance. I ministered it in uh, 2019, but it was preparation for this year. And he said, I want you to minister that word to the people. It's going to be like a prophecy being released. And I want you to turn your Bibles to Joel chapter 2. You know, we got Bibles. We got a ton of Bibles inside there. If you got, who, does anybody need a Bible? Yeah, you need a Bible. You need a Bible. Look right by you. You ain't got to be, raise your hand. Proud. Give me some Bibles out of there. We got, we got some Bibles. You know, somebody blessed us with some beautiful Bibles. Thank you, Tasha. Yeah, somebody blessed us with some really nice Bibles. And, um, and we'll bless you, you know. But um, God really, I mean, God really spoke to me. And he said to me that God is about to restore the years that the enemy stole from you. Not the days, you know, not the months, not even one year. He said he's going to restore the years that the devil stole from you. How many of you have had something taken from you? How many of you have lost something that was precious to you? Just me? Nobody else? That's, that's it? Just me? But God said, I'm going to restore the years. Not, not, the, not just not the days, not the months, the years that the devil stole. So in Joel chapter 2, verses 23 to 27, it says, I love this. It says, so rejoice, O children of Zion. See, rejoice. Don't be sad. You know, don't be depressed. Don't be... Uh, you know, don't be hopeless and helpless. He said, rejoice. Rejoice, O children of Zion. See, you are children of Zion. Zion symbolically is the church. You are children of Zion. And he says, and delight in the Lord your God, for he has given you the early rain and vindication. And he has poured down the rain for you, the early rain and the late rain as before. Now, you know, that the early and late rains, it took them both to receive harvest. Somebody's, somebody got like a, a Bible out preaching me back there. <laughs> but the early and the late rain was very necessary for harvest to come. The early rain, what it did was it, the, the ground in, in that area was very hard. It was very hard, you know. And the early rain, what it did was it, it, saturated that hard ground so that it could be plowed, so that they can dig it up. That early rain was necessary because if that didn't happen, then they wouldn't be able to dig it up and they wouldn't be able to sow seeds for harvest. So the early rain came to break up that fallow ground, to get the ground prepared for them to sow seed. And then the late rain came, which was necessary for the harvest to come. It was that rain that, that you know, that final rain that pushed forth the harvest. So God says, I'm going to give you the early and the latter rain. I'm going to give you both so that you can get the harvest that you guys have been believing for. See, it takes them both for you to reap a harvest. It goes on to say, and the threshing floors shall be full of grain. 
and the vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. And this is what I wanted to get to. And he says, and I will restore to you. And, and then the, the, the Amplified, I love the way it says it. It says, I will restore to you or I will compensate you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the gnawing locust. My great army, which I sent among you, he said, I'm going to compensate you. I'm going to restore, and I'm going to compensate you. I'm going to pay you back. That's what compensate means. I'm going to pay you for the years that were stolen from you. He goes on to say, you will have plenty to eat. Somebody say, thank Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You'll have plenty to eat. You'll be satisfied. How many of you like to be satisfied? See, I like to have, you know, I like to eat till I'm satisfied. You know, I like to, you know, I mean, I don't want to just eat a little bit. I want to be satisfied. Like, oh, man, glory. I sit down and eat, and I'm like, when I finish, I'm like, I can't eat no more. I'm satisfied. See, God said, I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to have food. You have plenty to eat. You'll be satisfied. And when you do so, you'll praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. I like that. And this is what I love. And my people shall never be put to shame. How many of you been felt like you were ashamed? Things went down, you're like, I just feel ashamed of that. See, God says, I'm going to vindicate you. You're not going to have to feel shame anymore because I'm going to turn things around for you. And the same people that were looking at you Looking down on you, they'll have to look up. He said, you're not going to be ashamed. You won't be ashamed. And it goes on to say, and you shall know without any doubt that I am in the midst of Israel to protect you and to bless you. And that I am the Lord your God and there is no other. And he says it again, my people will never be put to shame. So I just want to, I got to read this to you, how God gave it to me. Now, see, in 2020, I want to loose this prophecy over you. That God this year is going to restore the years that the enemy has stolen from you. And again, I love the way that the Amplifier puts it. It says that he is going to compensate you for the years. Now, that means that he's going to give you back, back pay. I like that. He's going to give you back pay. Have you ever received back pay? I mean, I was, uh, I was working this job, you know, and um, they gave me a raise in September, but it didn't take place forth, and it didn't take uh, place until January. So they said, "I'm going to give you back pay." So they gave me three months worth of pay in January. Man, that money came in. It was like, glory. <laughs> so he said, "I'm going to give you back pay." See, I'm not just going, you know, I'm not just going to compensate you for the years. Everything that you should have received back then, I'm going to give you all of that. I'm going to give you back pay. You know, you know, in the, you know um, there was this scripture, right? And um, there was this woman that Elisha, the prophet, Elijah, the prophet, had healed. You know, well, she had um, brought her son back to life. And he prophesied to her. And he said, there's about to be a famine in this land. And he said, go find another place to, to dwell in, right, until the famine ends. So she went. She did as the prophet said. There was famine, sure enough. Years later, she comes back. And she goes before the king to ask for her land back. 
it would, it would just be like, as a matter of fact, the prophet Elisha, that Gehazi, who was Elisha's servant, was talking to the king about her. Because the king has said, tell me some of the great works that Elisha did. And he, he started telling her the story about this woman. And then this woman comes in. And he said, and that's the woman right there. And then, you know, so then, so then he says, well, what do you want? I want my land back. She says, you're going to get your land back, and you're going to get all the crops that you would have had for those years that you weren't here. So not only did he give her her land back, he gave her a back pay. He, rest he restored. He just, he just gave her back pay. Everything that she would have had, he gave it to her at that time. See, that's getting back pay. See, God just don't want to restore you. He wants to give you back pay. Come on, you guys are not really happy about this. I know I'm getting happy myself right here. He says, I'm going to give you back pay for all of the years of hell that you've been through. He's going to give you back. He's going to give back to you the things that you've lost. And, you know, God, again, God gave me this word to prepare you for like from last year to this year because God's going to do it this year. And I put here, you know, at that time, he even said to me that he's going to compensate you even for the mistakes that you made. You see, some things were lost due to mismanagement. Some things were lost due to mistakes or foolish decisions that you made. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's just not, you know, the devil. Sometimes we make bad decisions. Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we do things that we shouldn't do, and as a result of that, we experience loss. Most of the stuff, I, I, I'll, I'll venture to say that some of the stuff that we blame the devil for, the devil ain't got nothing to do with it. <laughs> you know, somebody once said the devil was sitting on the, sitting outside on the, he was sitting outside on the, you know, on the stoop crying. You know, he said, Mr. Devil, what's wrong with you? He said, those Christians, they always blame me for everything. You know, because we, we always blame, if something happens, it's the devil. The devil, he did it. The devil, you know. It's not always the devil. Sometimes we just make bad, bad decisions. Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we do things we shouldn't do. Now, I've been there. I've done that. You know, I, you know, oh, you're the pastor. You know, oh, yeah, I do. I make mistakes. I do things I shouldn't do sometimes. But he said, even in those things, he says, God showed me I'm going to compensate you. You see, again, some things were lost due to mismanagement, mistakes, foolish decisions. In other words, they were nobody else's fault but yours or mine's. Whatever the reason, God told me to tell you that he's going to restore to you and he's going to compensate you for all the years that you've lost. I want somebody to just lift your hands to Jesus right now and say, I received that. Say, I received that for myself right now in the name of Jesus. God is going to compensate you. He's going to restore. See, I'm, I'm, I keep saying this because I want you to believe it. See, at the end of, you know, when we had our New Year's Eve service, I began to talk about the fact that if you don't have, if you don't change your mindset, then nothing else is going to change. Until you, until you change the way that the mental picture that you have of yourself in your current situation, until you change that, it's never going to get better for you. See, things will begin to change when your, your thought about yourself and your life begins to change. When you start believing what God says, 
as opposed to what you currently have. See, most people, most people have more faith in what they have. Right? More faith in what they can see than the word of God. And that's why God says you must walk by faith and not by sight. Don't walk by what you see. Because if you walk by what you see, you're going to have what you see. Most people have what they have because that's all they're focused on. All they're looking at is what they got. They're not looking into the word of God to see what possibilities God has for them. They only see what they have. And God is saying, now, I want you to see. I love it. I'm now, you know, I'm going back. One of my constitutions every year. One thing that I do, and I don't do it to be spiritual. I do it to discipline myself. One of the things that I do is I read the Bible all the way through every year. That's, that's my, my constitution. That keeps me focused so that I can read the word of God every day. I, stay, I read the word of God every day because I want to discipline myself to do it. Again, not, the, not that I'm better than anybody or super spiritual. It's because I know that I need the word of God daily flooded into myself. So I have it set up on my, my Bible to do a Bible in a year. So it's usually like three chapters from the Old Testament and one chapter from the New Testament. So obviously I'm in Genesis, right? Reading, now I'm up to talk, I'm reading about Abraham. I love what, what, what God says. He says a couple of things to him, right? I love this. When he first made the promise to Abraham, I was looking at this today. Let me just, let me, let me show it to you. I don't know, I just get excited about the word of God. But, but let me show you. It says, um, I love this. It says the Lord, and this is Genesis 13, 14 through 17. This ain't my message. This is for free. But it says, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot left him. See, sometimes you got to get rid of wrong people. See, God told him, I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave everything that you know, and I want you to come to a land that I'll tell you, tell you of. And he decides to take his nephew Lot with him. But God ain't never told him to take Lot. But he takes him with him on his journey. And all the while... Abraham is the one with the promise. He's getting blessed. God is blessing him. But because Lot's with him, God's blessing Lot. So Lot has just as much as Abraham has. But then he starts causing strife. You know, he begins to bite the hand that fed him. And Abraham says, look, man, let us have no strife. He says, if you want to go that way, I'll go this way. If you go that way, I'll go this way. Just separate yourself from me. Man, Lot separates himself from Abraham, and guess what happens to him? Not long after, he gets kidnapped by this army that came to fight against the land he was living in, and they took all of his possessions. And then Abraham has to go rescue him. <laughs> See, he bit the hand and fed him. See, he wasn't the man with the blessing in it. He wasn't the man with the blessing Abraham was. So anyway, that's, that's another story. But Lot left him, right? He says, God said to Abraham after Lot left, see, God, God is not, didn't speak to, to Abraham about his destiny until Lot leaves him. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had left him, now lift up your eyes. See, now, now lift up your eyes from the place where you're standing, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which you will see, I will give it to you and your descendants forever. See, Stop looking at, stop looking down. Lift up your eyes. See, too, much, too many of us are looking down. You're focused on what you got, and God is saying, lift up your eyes. Lift them up. Stop looking at what's happening in your life. 
Stop focusing on all of the negativity. Lift up your eyes. Look at what I'm doing. Stop looking at what the devil's doing. Look at what I'm doing. I'm doing great things in your life. Now look up. Stop looking down. Look up. He says, for all this land, the north, the south, the east, and the west, I'll give it to you. And see, God is saying that to many people here today. He's saying, if you stop looking and stop focusing on what you got and start focusing on what I can, my great and mighty power and what I can do in your life, I'll start to give you that. I'm going to say it until you guys believe it. You don't believe it yet, but I'm just going to keep on rocking it until you guys believe it. So Isaiah, turn to Isaiah chapter 61. See, I keep showing you scriptures because it seems like, you know, ain't nobody believing what I'm talking about. So I want to show it to you in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 61. Let's read verses 5 through 9. I love this. See, God said, I'm going to compensate you. I'm going to give you back pay. I'm going to restore the years. All of the years. And Isaiah 61, 50, uh, verses 5 through 9, it says, Strangers will stand and feed your flocks. That means people will be work working for you. Foreigners will be your farmers and vine dressers. He says, but you shall be called the priests of the Lord. People will speak of you as ministers of our God. And he says, you will eat the wealth of the nations. You're not going to be broke. Do you know that one of the promises, of, one of the reasons why Jesus paid the price for you, the Bible says that for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for our sakes, he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. See, if you, you, you should never accept poverty on your life, sickness on your life. Never, because Jesus paid the price for that. He took sickness on his body. He became sick. He wasn't a sick man. He became sick for us. He wasn't poor. He became poor for us. It's called the divine exchange. He took places with us. That, that was the whole purpose of Barabbas. Many of us don't like Barabbas, you know. But the whole purpose of Barabbas was that he did, Barabbas was us. Just like Barabbas, Jesus took our place on the cross. See, he was a murderer. He was a, he was a rioter. You know, he was an you know, evil man, you know. And, and they said, give us Barabbas. We want Barabbas, you know, and then and Jesus took Barabbas's place. So instead of being condemned as what as what he was, a murderer and a thief, he went free. And some of you say, I wasn't no murderer. I wasn't no thief. You did something. I know I did something, a whole lot of something. <laughs> but bottom line is he took my place. He took the punishment that I deserve. He took my place on the cross. And it's the divine exchange. He, he, became, he became poor so that I could be made rich. I took his place. He took my place and I took his place. So he says, you'll eat the wealth of the nations. And you will boast of their, he says, and you will boast of your riches. And it goes on to say, I love this. Instead of your former shame. You will have a double portion. See, formerly you had shame. He said, but now you will have a double portion. And instead of humiliation, 
your people will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, in their land, they will possess double. Double what they had forfeited or double what they lost. See, I told you that God wanted to compensate you. They wanted to give you back pay. Now, how about this? He wants to give you double. He don't want to just compensate you. He don't want to just give you back pay. He want to times two. He wants to multiply. See, God ain't into addition. God said, be fruitful. Not add, multiply. Because God's not into adding and subtraction. He's into multiplication. I want to multiply you. I want to I wanna multiply you exceedingly. I want, I, wanna, I want you to have innumerable blessings and favor. He says, therefore, in their land, they will possess the double what they had forfeited or what they lost. Everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery with a burnt offering. And I will faithfully reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Then their offspring, their children, will be known among the nations and their descendants among the peoples. I love it. All who see them in their prosperity will recognize and acknowledge them that they are the people who the Lord has blessed. My God, man. That's what, that's what God is saying about you. People going to call you blessed. Ain't nobody going to be calling you cursed. They going to call you blessed. He going to compensate you. Going to give you back pay. And then he says, I'm going to double it. I'm going to multiply. I'm going to times to it. I love it. See, now the word restore means to bring back, to reinstate, to return to a former condition, place, or position. It means to give something that was previously stolen, taken away, or lost back to the original owner or the recipient of it. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be glad if God just did that. I mean, if he just restored to me everything I lost. I lost a whole lot of stuff over the years, man. I made a whole lot of mistakes, and as a result of it, lost a whole lot of stuff. If he just gave it back to me, I'd be happy. You know, if he didn't, but he just, but he said, I'm not just going to give it back to you. I'm going to give you back pay. All these years, how long ago was it? I don't care. Five years ago, ten years ago, whatever it was, I'm going to pay you all back for all of that you lost. All those years that you lost. All those years that you struggled because you, you lost whatever that was. I'm going to give you back pay for it. Didn't know what I'm going to do because I love you. I'm going I'm to multiply it. I'm going to times to it. I'm going to give you double what you lost. You know that um, one of Joseph's sons, his name was Ephraim. You know what Ephraim means? He says, God has made me doubly fruitful in the land that I've been afflicted in. See, God's into the double portion blessing. He's into doubling it. He's into multiplication. And it goes on, I put, I put here, you know, if he just returned to me everything that was taken away from me, I'd be extremely happy. But God doesn't want to stop there. He wants to restore you. But then he mentions that he wants to give you double of what you previously forfeited. So he just doesn't want to restore you. He wants to give you two times as much as what you had before. He's going to give you double for your trouble. You're not just going to get it back. You're going to get it back and then get another one. Get it back and then another one. 
times two. You guys are not happy inside here, but I'm, I'm real happy right now. Because I'm like thinking about how God is going to restore the years. Everything that I've lost over the years. Crazy mistakes I've made. Stupid things I did. He says, I'm going to restore. I'm going to restore it to you. Because, you know, the Bible says that all things work together for the good. To them that love the Lord. To the called according to his purpose. Everything that happens in your life, good or bad. God has some way of taking it. I say he begins to weave it together and make a beautiful life. He takes good, bad, ugly things and just puts it all together and causes it to work out for your good and for his glory. I don't care what you've been through. So now let me get you ready for this. I only got a little while longer to go, all right? Close that door for me, please, somebody. I like that door being open. In Hebrews 10, 35 through 39. And this is one of the things that God really talked to me about. Now, you know, this isn't a magic wand. I want you to understand that. It's not a magic wand. This is something that you're going to have to receive by faith. And whenever you receive something by faith, that means that you don't see it immediately. Right? Just because I preach it today, don't mean you're going to walk out of here today. And everything's going to be there, you know. That's not, that's not how it works. But let me tell you what happens with the enemy. I'll preach this to you. You're happy. You say, I receive it, you know. And then you'll leave out of here. And the devil will tell you, that's not for you. He's lying. That, that ain't, that, that's for somebody else. You don't deserve that. <laughs> You're not good enough to get that, you know. A week from that, you'll hold on to it for a week week from now comes, everything don't look like you want them to look, and you'll start giving up on it. But see, God showed me, he says, you got to be in it for the long haul. If you want things to change between, see, see, I'm looking for things to change between now and the end of this year. See, I want to be at a different place. Always look at my life and say, okay, am I, did I make progress this year? See, that's the key to life. The key, the key to joy in life is making progress. See, when you don't ever make progress in life, that's why you, when you start disliking your life. You, gotta make, you have to make progress. You know, every day you have to be looking to achieve something. See, you got this word today. Now it's like, okay, you got to start thinking about, okay, what is it I'm believing for? You know, what have I lost that I'm believing to get back? And then start praying and believing God for that thing to be turned around for you. And little by little, if you hold on and you don't, you don't faint, you don't give up, you'll start seeing it restored. This year, I got a major restoration in my life. I made a, a real crazy, this past year. When I was young, I, bought, I had two houses, two, three family houses that I bought. I was in my 20s. I was rocking, man, you know, in real estate. And um, I was greedy, you know, just being greedy. And I made some very foolish decisions. Messed it up, you know. So I got from underneath that. Had to do a lot of things. Had to repair my credit. I mean, all kinds of things went down as a result of it. It was one of those things that I call a scar. You know, a scar is when, see, a scar is a wound that healed. But when you look at it, the, the remembrance is there, right? 
you don't feel it anymore, don't hurt anymore. But you know, oh, when I was, you know, like I got this, this little scar up here. You know, when I, was a, when I was a baby, a little boy, two, three years old, whatever, I was running, my mother had a, a, a glass table. And I was running around the table, my brother was chasing me. And I fell and hit my head on the glass table, bust my head open, you know. So I got a scar right there. It's little. You could barely see it. But I, it's a remember, I remember it, you know. It's, it's something that's there to show, you know. It don't hurt. I'm sure it did when I bust my head open. <laughs> but, but it don't hurt no more. But it's a remembrance, you know. And that's what scars are for. That's always a scar in my life. But it, it, what it did for me was make me become more wise in making investments. Making sure that I made the right moves. And then this past year, my wife and I bought a beautiful house in Sparta. Beautiful. Right across the street from the water. Gorgeous, you know. We're right on the lake community where, you know, you can't even go on that lake unless you live on that block. And it's like a beach there, you know. And you can get a boat. You can fish in the lake and all that stuff. But, but we bought so wise, man. I mean, we were very wise with the way we bought. I mean, the, rent, the mortgage we pay is what most people pay for rent. That's how wise we were when we bought this house. But that was a restoration for my wife and I. It was restoration. This place is a restoration for our ministry. And we're about 80% done with this place. We're still working on it. But we're really putting it together to make it beautiful for you guys, you know. And we wanted to be here in this area. This was my last goal for 2019 was to get this place up and running. That was my last goal. Had two major projects, buy a house and get this place up and running. That was my two. So I made progress last year. I look back at last year, I can say it was successful. Yeah, we made, we made moves. We made progress. Took us two years to buy that house, but we bought it. You know what I'm saying? You know, it did. You know, took us two years. But we did it. We made, we made progress. Took us a year to save all the money up, get everything together. And then we pulled the trigger. And then it took us time. We was looking here, looking there, looking over here, trying to find a place. Finally, we found this place. So you got you, you, you to gotta be in it. And you got to be willing to go through what you need to do. to make, say It wasn't hard. If I tell you all of the stories about what it took, for us to get this place, for us to get the house, it was a lot of work. And we could have gave up. So maybe we ain't got we ain't, maybe we ain't supposed to do it. But that's why I say you gotta be in it for the long haul. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 39, it says, I love this scripture. One of my favorite scriptures. It says, Do not therefore fling away your confidence in God. Don't throw away your confidence. Don't fling it away. Don't throw it away. For it has a glorious and great reward attached to it. Your confidence in God has a, a reward attached to it. When you have confidence in God, when you have faith in God, there's a reward that's attached to that. See, somebody said once that God's greatest pleasure is being believed. But his greatest hurt and disappointment is when people doubt him. So he says, don't, don't, don't fling away your confidence in God because it has 
a greater reward attached to it. And it says, for you have need of patience. That after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So you need, you, when you, after you've done the will of God, that's when you need patience. That's when you need to hold on. And you need to wait on God to do his part. See, for most people, most people's issue is they won't do the will of God. God will say, you need to do this. But he won't do it. And then they'll say things like, well, I'm waiting on God. Well, I got news for you. If you haven't done what God said for you to do, you ain't waiting on him. He waiting on you. Most people ain't waiting on God. Most people, God's waiting on them. Because God, what I've learned about God, this is what I learned about God. He will never do for you what you can do. Never. He'll never do for you what you can do. You'll never see God brush your teeth for you. <laughs> because you could brush your teeth. Right? You'll never see God give you a bath. Because you could do that. Right? God's not going to feed you. Not going to put food in your mouth. God, now God will do for you what you can't do. So after you've done, see, that's why he says after you've done the will of God. See, I'm not stepping in until you see it's the law of sequence. What you do first will determine what God will do next. You do your part first. You do everything that you can do. Now, once you've done everything that you can do, then I'll step in and I'll do it what you can't do. That's, what, that's how God works. And most of us have been conditioned. See, we, 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 we flip when we, come out of, when we come out of the world into Christianity. We flip, right? Because when we're in the world, all of us is, I don't need nobody. I'm going to do everything myself, you know. I can do it myself. See, that's your mindset when you're in the world. I don't need no help from nobody. Women be like, I don't need no man, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know. <laughs> I don't need nobody. I do it myself, you know. That's the mindset when you're, when you're in the world, right? And, and you, a lot of people get further in, in, in the world than they do in Christianity. Because in Christianity, people flip. And they just sit back and they say, oh, I ain't got to do nothing. I'm just going to let God do it. And they be waiting on God for 20 years. And nothing ever happens. See, the Bible says that we are laborers together with God. In other words, we work together. We do our part. God does his part. So God will say, I want you to do this. This is your part. This is what you got to do. Once you do everything that you can do, then you can say, okay, God, I've done all I can do. Everything that you've told me, I've done it. Now I'm waiting on you. Then God will step in, and he'll start doing stuff that you could never do. For example, well, God, I want a job. I want a great job. Okay? How many jobs have you applied for this week? My wife always says, if you're serious about a job, you should put in at least 10 resumes a day. At least. And I always say, if you ain't got no job, your job, until you, your job is finding a job. That means the same effort that you put into working a job, you put that into finding one. 
If you work six, seven, eight hours a day trying to find a job, there ain't no way in the world. You ain't go- One thing I do, you know, I do taxes, right? And I file taxes for people. People walk inside, you know, my tax place, and they got like eight W-2s. I'd be like, my God, man. I'd be like, no wonder nobody else can find a job. And you took them all. I look at this person, I say, this person get eight jobs. Ain't nobody going to tell me they can't get one. Ain't no way. And I'm not talking about super bright people. I'm talking about average person just walk inside. They got all these W-2s. They worked everywhere, everywhere. So that just shows me that it's a lack of effort on most people's part. So now I'm doing my part, right? I'm going to put in for jobs. That's my part. God can't, God not going to apply for a job for you. He's not going to fill out a job application for you. See, people want to put their feet up and wait for somebody to knock on their door and say, hey, do you want a job? It ain't going to happen. You put in your applications, right? And you get prepared, right? If you ain't got a nice suit, you, get it, you try to find, get you a suit. Get you something so that you can be presentable. Don't wear no crazy colors. Do your research, right? You don't wear red suits, yellow suits, blue suits, the job interviews, you know? Well, navy blue, not royal blue, <laughs> not baby blue. You wear royal blue. You wear navy blue, gray, black, right? Those are your power colors, right? Get you a suit, and, and you know, now, okay, I got something to wear if someone calls me for an interview. Well, you know, well, just, I'm, not, I'm not going to Walmart with a suit on. Why not? Why not? You want to impress. You know, they say psychologically, within 60 seconds of the interview, the person already knows whether or not they want to hire you. 60 seconds. What can you do in the first six? You walk in, you greet the person, you sit down. 60 seconds, that's it. He already knows. Got your resume in his hand. He'll talk to you for 30 minutes and know he's going to throw it in the garbage when he finished. That means that 80% of it is your presentation. So that's my part. I can get dressed. I can get, I can, you know, do my hair. Right? I can put some smell goods on. Right? Put my deodorant on. People don't like to I put my deodorant on, something smell good, you know. Don't smell like a perfumery, you know, a little bit. A little dab of do you, you know. <laughs> you get ready, you know. Know how to present yourself. You, you, do your re- you do your research. What are interview questions, right? What are people going to ask you in interviews? And how do I respond to that? What are good questions for me to ask on an interview? Because people want to know that, that you, you got questions, What's the, you going to this company? What do you do? You know you gotta know something about the company. God won't do any of that for you. All of that's you. Now I've done my part. Now I go to the interview. I sit down. I do my thing. Now I can walk away and say, "Okay, God, I've done all I can do." Now I'm believing in Jesus' name that if this job is for me, that you're gonna turn this person's heart towards me with favor and with love, and you're going to give me this job if this is for me. If it ain't, I don't want it. But if it's you, then I want this job. Open up this door for me in Jesus' name. That's how you do it. Now God can begin to work on that person's heart. I've been on some job interviews when I ain't even interviewed. 
The last job I got, I ain't even interviewed for it. I walked in, they said, yeah, you're the expert. You know what to do with this thing, blah, blah, blah. They didn't even ask me no questions. They just gave me the job. That's because God did for me what I couldn't do. I can't make this person like me, but he can, he can turn this person's heart towards me and make them fall in love with me. That's his part. If I, I always know. That if I, if I do my part, if I prepare, one of the things that I do, right, when I'm writing a message, I say, okay, I've done all I I prepared myself. I study the scriptures. I put it together. I prepare, I prepare myself as much as I can. Then when I come up here and I say, okay, God, it's all you now. I've done my part. I've prepared. Now you do your part. You flow, all I need, you flow through me now. See, if I prepare it myself, then I can believe for that. Same thing with an interview. If you prepare yourself, then you can. Now, now God, I'm here. I prepare myself. I say, before I go to an interview, I say, put your words in my mouth. You said in your word that the heart of kings is in your hand. Like the rivers of water, you can turn it whithersoever way you will. And if a king's heart is in your hand, how much more this person that's about to interview me. Turn this person's heart towards me with favor in Jesus' name. And then I go and I just let him do what he's going to do. But I've done my part. And that's and any any other any other thing that you do in life, if you prepare yourself, if you do your part, God will always do his. So he says, after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Not before, not during, after. God expects you to do your part, and then he'll do his. It goes on to say, for yet a le- yet in a very little while, and who he who is coming will come and will not delay. He says, but my righteous one shall live by faith. See, we live by faith. We live by it. We walk by it. We live by it. Faith is not having all the answers. Right? I, I, don't, I don't know. All I know is what you said, and that's good enough for me. See, that's faith. You said it, I believe it, I'm going to do it. That's it. That's faith. I believe you. I trust you. I don't know, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I I, I don't know everything that's going to go down. But what I do know, some things went down in my life, and I just said, God, I don't know why this happened. I, I have no clue why this went down. I said, but one thing I do know, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you that you're going to cause this to work together for my God. I don't know why this went down like this. I don't know why this happened, but I trust you. You've never failed me yet. He's never failed me. He's always brought me through. I don't care what's going down in my life. He's always been there. And he's always turned the situation around for my good. So he says, the just shall live by faith. But if he draws back, shrinking in fear, my soul will have no delight in him. If you draw back, when you you run into trouble, if you draw back, he says, I will have no delight in that person. Because I require faith. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. I was saying this the other day. God loves everybody equally. 
Everybody in here. He loves us all equally. He don't love me no more because I'm a pastor than you. He loves everybody in here equally. He loves, he loves the murderer on death row who killed 100 people just as much as he loves you. There's no limits to God's love. There is no conditions to God's love. He don't, he don't love you just because you've done something. Because he, he, he's, not, he's not just a person that loves. He is love. Now, although he loves you the same, everybody is not pleasing him the same. You can have three or four kids, and you can love them equally. But if one gets A's and the other one gets F's, guess what? The one that gets A's is going to please you more. <laughs> you, don't, you don't hate them. You don't dislike them. You know, I love you just as much as him, but you don't please me. You're getting F's. <laughs> You're always doing something crazy. Stop doing crazy things, you know? You don't please me when you do crazy things. And one kid is just good. Don't do nothing, you know, like that. See, that one pleases me. And as a result, you know, you wind up blessing the one that pleases you more. Not it's not because of love. It's not because the love is different. It's just that you don't deserve to get blessed. I'm not going to reward you for getting F's. And I'm not going to penalize him for you getting F's. In other words, I'm not going to not bless this child getting A's because, you, because I don't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> you getting F's. That's why some people are more blessed than others. It's not because God loves them more. Some people walk in, a, in more faith than others. Some people are more obedient than other people are. And as a result, God will bless them more. Not because he loves them more, but because they please him more. So if you want to walk in the blessings and favor of God like never before this year, have faith. Please him. Obey him. Do what God requires of you. As a result of that, he'll, he'll, his ears will always be open to you when you're praying. I got to close, man. Come on, get on this piano and get me out of here. I got to close. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end right here. You know, somebody asked me a great question. They asked me, what's the most important thing that you learned about God? And, you know, after thinking about that for a minute, I told them, I learned that you have to be in it for the long haul. See, walking with God is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not a, not a microwave gospel. If you're going to succeed in God, you have to be in it for the long haul. This is what I learned. God never moves rapidly. But I've learned that he does move suddenly. See, the difference is, see, when you move rapidly, it means that you pray and you just get an answer. That's quickly, that's rapidly. God don't work that way. God moves suddenly. See, a suddenly is, it may take you a year, two years, you know, whatever. But then when God gets ready to move, boom, man, he starts moving. And it's so fast, it's like, whoa. I'll give you an example, and I'll close right here. Joseph, he gets, you know, his brothers become envious of him. They throw him into a pit. They sell him into Egypt as a slave. And here he is in Egypt. He in Potiphar's house. And God starts blessing him in Potiphar's house. Starts doing pretty well. Then he gets accused of rape 
by Potiphar's wife. And they throw him in prison. And now here he is in his prison cell. But God starts giving him favor in prison. Then the chief butler and the chief baker of the Pharaoh get thrown into prison as well. And they both have dreams. And now Joseph has a gift of interpretation of dreams. So he begins to interpret their dreams for them. Tells them exactly what was going to happen to them. And he tells the one, the chief butler, he says, look, when you get out of this prison, don't forget about me. Talk to Pharaoh for me because I've done nothing wrong, you know. Now, some say that Joseph was in Egypt about 13 years because he was taken away when he was a young boy. About 13 years, they say, he's probably in, in, in Egypt. So all of this time, he's, he's a slave in Potiphar's house, and he's a prisoner in a, in a prison cell, right? 13 years. The Bible says that two full years go by. The guy completely forgets about Joseph, completely forgets him. He's living large in Pharaoh's house. He just completely forgets about Joseph. But Pharaoh has a dream, and nobody's able to interpret it but Joseph. And, and the guy says, you know, Pharaoh, I remember my faults this day. He said, there was a young Hebrew boy in prison cell with me and the chief baker. And when we were in the prison, he interpreted our dreams for us. He told us exactly what was going to happen. And exactly as he told us, that's what happened. And he says, well, go get this guy. Joseph has literally, and I'm talking about suddenly. I'm talking about not quickly. It's been 13 years. So it ain't quick. I'm talking about suddenly, though. Joseph, they called Joseph to come out of prison. He has enough time to shave his, shave his face and change his clothes. And he's standing in front of Pharaoh. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. And he never goes back to prison again. In fact, he's promoted to the second in command of the entire country, of the most prosperous country at that time, Egypt. That's like, that's like uh, you know, President Trump pulling somebody off death row. And he says, you're going to be my vice president. That's, that's what that's like. He pulls this guy out of prison. And he becomes the person that's in charge of the entire land of Egypt. And when people start coming to Pharaoh and asking him questions, he said, don't come to me, go to Joseph. That's a suddenly. That's how fast God can turn a situation around for you. You could be waiting for months or years, and then next thing you know, boom, God just I mean, turns the situation around. Again, not quickly, suddenly. And I believe that he's going to give many of you a suddenly this year. That I'm going to turn your situation around so fast, it's going to make your head spin. You're going to be like, whoa. My God, man. And going to take you from a place of obscurity to a high place. I mean, just like seemingly overnight. But like a lot of people say, it was a long night. <laughs> Joseph would, it happened quick. They would have said, Joseph, man, you're an overnight success. He'd be like, yeah, but it was a long night. It was a long night. And he says, everybody, Pharaoh said, everybody's going to be bowing their knees. That means Potiphar, his wife, everybody is on his, in their knees when Joseph goes by. And he's in charge of the whole nation. That's how God can turn it around for you. 
going to close right here. I want everybody to just lift your hands to Jesus. I just want you to receive this word today. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for your word. Father, thank you for speaking to us. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, oh God, I pray that everybody here, that they receive this word today. That this was not a word that just went over everybody's head. It wasn't a word that went in one ear and out the other. But I'm believing that this is a word that was sown deeply inside everybody's hearts that heard this word today. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that this was a life-changing, miraculous word. Because I believe that it's truth. And I believe that it's a prophecy for this year. And that if people receive it and take it for themselves, that they will have an end of 2020 that's different from what they began. They may have started this year on the bottom, but by the time this year ends, I'm believing that they'll be on the top. That you'll completely give them a 180. That they'll have a complete turnaround. I'm believing that this year will be the best year that they've experienced in their life thus far. That you will do for them only what you can do for them. And that you'll give them a suddenly that's going to blow their mind. And Father, for we thank you and we bless you. We give you the praise, glory, we give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, before we close here, if you're here this morning. And you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you want to do that today, I want to pray for you. Or if you have accepted Jesus but you've backslidden and you know you have and you want to just get it right with God again, I want to pray for you. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to stand up on your feet. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, just stand up on your feet. I just want to pray for you this morning. You've never given your life to Jesus or you've been backslidden and you know it. If that's you, just stand up. Hallelujah. Also, if you're listening on our podcast, you're watching on Facebook, I also want to pray for you this morning. And I want everybody to pray with these two beautiful ladies. I want everybody to pray. I want everybody to say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth. You died for my sins. And you rose from the dead to make me right with God. Now, Heavenly Father, I accept the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Come into my heart. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, come on, let's just give Jesus a praise. Come on, just give Jesus a praise. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, 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 amen. You guys go ahead and have your seats. I tell you, when the doors of this church open, just you be here. Be here to get the word of God. That's all. You know, he wants to really speak to you. And I say that for everybody that's here today. You don't have a church home? Make this your home. And when these doors open, you'll be here. We have Thursday night Bible study, 730. 
10 o'clock service on Sundays. Be here. I believe that God has a word for you every time you walk in these doors. And he wants to give you fresh marching orders. He wants to give you marching orders for your life. And he wants to give you a beautiful future. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Let's give God a praise. Let's just give Jesus a praise. Amen. Amen, amen.